Pastor Ray Bentley explains how a certain dinner in the New Testament provided fascinating insights on man's thoughts. It's interesting that it was more important to some to sit in the right place than it was to live the right kind of life. Take a lower place than you even think and your most humble opinion you deserve. And if you remain there, be content there. Jesus is saying, find value in God's opinion rather than the opinion of men. Spread the news of his people coming down before the king. Lift your voice. Jesus is coming. Join the song. Sing along. Let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. We live in a time when shameless self-promotion is allowed and even rewarded. Perhaps we have social media to thank for that. But today, Pastor Ray takes us to a situation when Jesus spoke of the benefit of humility and letting others, especially God, bring you appropriate recognition. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse one, says, Now it happened as he, Jesus, went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. And he took him and healed him and let him go. And then he answered them saying, which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. This is a very beautiful and a, and a powerful story of Jesus doing another healing. He's already done so. I think we've seen six or seven different healings of Jesus on the Sabbath. I realize that for us today, it's like, what is the big deal? Uh, and I can only explain it in this way. You, you're entering into another world, another time, and another culture. But those who were religious uh, at that time... Uh, they had rules. I mean, God had made the Sabbath, and the Sabbath is a wonderful thing. It is uh, something that God gave as a gift uh, to mankind after, you know, he had created the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, God stopped creating, and, and he, he rested. Not as it were he were tired, but he entered into rest. Uh, when you look at the sequence of, of creation, man being created on the sixth day, so six is the number of men, Man's first full day in creation was one of rest, uh, one of uh, retirement, one of fellowship. The whole day was designed to just relax, walk through the garden, and talk with God. It was only after sin came that curse came and thorns and thistles, and now by the sweat of your brow, you will work. <laughs> so work is the curse uh, in a way. But genuinely... Um, it's not work per se, but work after the fall and after sin had entered. God wanted us to work in the garden, be creative in that way, but not uh, through with the struggles that came after the effects of the curse. So the Jewish people who had been given this Sabbath and this gift, 
Well, it had slowly turned into something where they were measuring everything and they were, there were rules and if you break the rules and it became more and more external. And it got so bad that they would have said that it's breaking the Sabbath to heal someone. Partly because there were even in their rites, there were prayers and there were maybe sacrifices and there were things that you had to do and then to go and to pray and it was a lot of work for an average priest in those days for someone to be healed. He was breaking their interpretation, their preconceived ideas of the Sabbath. And so they're trying to trap him. This is the story then that involves Jesus being invited by a religious Pharisee to a dinner party. And then the things that transpire during this uh, dinner party at that evening and the conversation that follows and Jesus teaches some powerful, profound aspects of the kingdom. Okay, let's note a few things. Number one, first of all, we note that it's interesting that Jesus was open to this invitation. Um, in fact, you could, even though this was a setup, they were setting him up to trap him. The place had been carefully chosen. The home was a prominent Pharisee where he and important guests that he had invited all with the purpose of observing Jesus firsthand on the Sabbath so that they could all verify in unison any sins or transgressions or violations of the Sabbath he may commit. And then notice, interestingly, that at this dinner party, which was designedly on the Sabbath, a day that Jesus had allegedly already violated on several occasions healing the sick, and on this particular day, Conveniently, there is a sick person who has also been invited to the meal. And what's interesting to me, here's this terrible trap where they thought they had him. They knew he was going to heal this guy. And as I put here in your notes, it is interesting that Jesus' own enemies knew that this rabbi, Jesus, could not be in the presence of human suffering for very long before he did something about it. In other words, that he healed them. And yet, sometimes your enemy's accusations are confirmation of a good and a godly thing. But Jesus turns the tables on these guys. And, and I want you to uh, notice what he did. Because here, as they set him up and they're waiting for him, they know there's a sick guy there, he's going to touch this guy and heal him. And, and so what does Jesus do? In verse 3, Jesus asks a question. Is it lawful? to heal on the Sabbath. He has just turned the tables on them with one single simple question. Now, suddenly, it's not Jesus who is trapped, but they who are trapped. If they say yes, then he will say to them, so what's your problem with the other healings that you have seen? And they will appear hypocritical about being so strict about the Sabbath. If, on the other hand, they say no, they'll appear cold, they will appear being hard-hearted uh, with this man sitting right there, left in this horrible, horrible, crippled condition. So, being trapped now, their only response, they can't say yes, they can't say no, so what do they say? Nothing. We are in a time where the world is, you know, challenging the church. Have you noticed that many times the questions that they ask are a trap? So how do you respond 
When someone is merely, they're not really asking you to find out, they're asking you to make you look bad, they're asking you to trap you. It is to learn, and this is something that maybe we can think about and learn from Jesus, is this, and if you have a pen or pencil, write this down. Learn to answer a question with another question. Perhaps Jesus' wisdom is something that our generation could learn something from. And uh, it's interesting, if that weren't enough, it says they kept silent in verse four, and he took him and healed him. <laughs> I love it. He took him and healed him and let him go. Oh, he's healed, go. Go where? Worship God. That guy wanted to worship God in the worst way and give glory to the Lord. And then he answered them saying, which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? He asked them another question. He first of all turns things around, asks them a question they don't answer. And so his response to that, rather than now I get to lecture, teach and tell them, no, he asked them a second question. Well, you didn't answer that one. How about this? Is it lawful to help a little animal that's trapped in a well on the Sabbath day? And what was their answer to that question? Verse six, and they could not answer him regarding these things. They didn't answer any of Jesus' questions. And so in other words, Jesus was able, this is wisdom of how to deal in a situation where you are being trapped and to learn to ask questions. Now, what's interesting about Jesus' follow-up question is that he knew that in their law, in their teaching on the Sabbath, where they would say, look, you have to do this to, to go into the temple and make sacrifice, and then you have to do these prayers and preparations. It could take you know, hours and it's work, and so therefore you can't heal on the Sabbath. But they had another little provision in their own interpretation of the laws of the Sabbath. What happens if one of my donkeys, or God forbid one of my oxen, falls into this open well and is trapped? But it happens to be the Sabbath. That's my livelihood. And they said, well, if it's your livelihood, yes, because is it work to get a poor animal that's fallen down a well and pull it out? You bet it's work. Is work breaking the Sabbath? You bet it is. Ah, but the rabbi said, but that's an exception. If it's an animal that's trapped down in a well, it's understandable, since that's your livelihood, that you would help a poor animal that's wounded, hurt, and may die. So Jesus said, so is it okay to actually you know, help an animal? And what is he actually saying? So are you saying that you treat animals better than you treat human beings? That you would save an animal, but you wouldn't? help heal this poor human being made in the image of God, they're trapped, what could they say? So Jesus gives us great insight and great wisdom. And I, I give that to you, food for thought, how to answer your friends and uh, the times and, uh, in, in which we live. You, you remember when Jesus said one time, be careful not to cast your pearls before what? Swine. What? And what did he say that if you do cast your pearls before swine, what do, you know, swine do with pearls? Well, they don't know what to do with them. They just trample them. We have all these precious heavenly secrets of the kingdom, of the character of God, of revelation, 
of prophecy. And we have all this knowledge and personal experience and all of this. And we go sometimes to, and the swine being the unclean or the, the as yet, let's say, unsaved. And we're casting all these pearls to them. Details of things that they don't have yet even the Holy Spirit to understand what you're talking about. They haven't experienced what you have. They haven't felt what you've had. They have not yet experienced being forgiven or brought to tears or feeling tenderness of heart. And you're casting all of these pearls that are, that, that are beyond them. And therefore, you need to be more appropriate for what the situation may require. Sometimes, if you're just being trapped, you answer a question with a question. At other times, as Jesus with the woman of Samaria who was asking sincere questions but was sincerely wrong, you lead them to the Lord. You, you share with them in such a way to bring them, really, we can talk about this and that. Where do we worship God? This mountain, that mountain. But Jesus said what it's really about is you and, and your relationship with God. We can get into all the you know, religious apologetics about all the beliefs and philosophies people have. But what we really need to get down to is them and what Christ has done in the gospel and sharing that with them. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. Pastor Ray was such a devoted servant of the Most High God and is now in the presence of his best friend and Savior, Jesus Christ. He ran the race and finished the course set before him. My love to the Bentley family and to Maranatha Ministries. Pastor Ray's teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website, www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, verses 7 through 11, it says, So he told a parable to those who were invited. I mean, since they, they really did, hadn't said anything, they're, they're just sitting there probably sulking because they can't think of anything to say. So in the, in the awkward silence, Jesus goes, hey, why don't I just tell you guys a story? <laughs> I love this. So he told a parable to those who were invited, and when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, now you've got to understand, he's invited to this very prominent Pharisee's house. They would sit at, and recline around a table, and there was the one guy, the main Pharisee, whose house it was, who had invited all these important people. And what Jesus observed as he received this invitation to this dinner is that everybody, when they came into the house, jockeyed for the best and most prominent seats in the house. Translation, culturally, there were some elbows being thrown as people tossed and wrestled their way to get into the best seats. And at that particular time, the best, most honored seat was to be as close to the host of the home because he owned a home to begin with and then he was able to throw a party for many people, so he's got means and wealth, and he's got prominence because this very uh, controversial uh, rabbi that everybody's talking about has come to this house, so I want to be right there on the inside circle. So Jesus says, as he had noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, and <laughs> I love this, Jesus gives them a little bit of advice in this parable, of how and where to sit down when you go invited to somebody's house. He goes, do not sit down in the best place 
lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, uh, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. And then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus may have been thinking of the proverb 25 verses six and seven where it says, do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king and do not stand in the place of the great. For it is better that he say to you, come up here, than that you should be put lower in the presence of the prince whom your eyes have seen. If you wrestle and get up to the you know, first seat, how embarrassing is it to go, uh, we actually have somebody else that was gonna sit here. Could you go like way back? See those people about that big back in the back? Could you <laughs> go back there? How humiliating. In Jesus' day, where you sat was a status symbol. It helped people to know where they stood in society. If you were invited to the right homes and you sat in the right places, people would know how important you are. And it's interesting that it was more important to some to sit in the right place than it was to live the right kind of life. Jesus advises then, and this is a pretty good principle. By the way, this is a kingdom principle, not just for here on earth, but apparently for all time and eternity as sons and daughters of our royal heavenly father and his royal son. This is kingdom character. Take the lowest place. Take a lower place than you even think in your most humble opinion you deserve. And if you remain there, be content there. And if you should be moved up a few notches or seats, at least you're moving in the right direction as opposed to being put further down. It is interesting that um, we need, you know, Jesus is saying, find value in God's opinion rather than the opinion of men. Because God's opinion is he looks upon those who are not drawing attention to themselves, but those who are not. And he finds them and shows himself mighty on their behalf. It's interesting to see how many uh, old books and encyclopedias there have been in human history where there are long ancient lists of famous people who are now forgotten people. And very, very few are remembered. In fact, you, you might even be able to say even with and through history that some of those who are actually remembered are those who made their names into the book of life or into the Bible itself. Now, look with me in verse 12. It says, then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. In other words, Jesus said, when you invite people, don't just invite people over whom you know, well, they'll pay me back, or they've got a house equal or of greater value to mine. In other words, hospitality is not a quid pro quo. I'll do this for you if you do that for me. If I invite you here, then you're obligated to invite me there. Now, I, I also wanna say, you know, don't take this to the extreme Jesus did not mean. Jesus is not against our having dinner parties and entertaining our family and our friends. What Jesus is saying and what he is against 
is when you only and forever, without a, a, exception, have parties that you invite your family and your friends and those you like and those who could give something back to you. In other words, Jesus encourages us that kingdom character is that there should be times in your life where you invite people to your table, literally, that you feed or that you bless that have no way of ever paying you back or ever giving you something back or doing something for you and, and finding joy in that. In our Lord's time, people just did not invite poor people, lame people, weak people, crippled people to their house because socially that did not look good. And Jesus said, that's not what my kingdom is about. And in fact, Jesus here commands us to put needy people, and I, I mean needy in the broadest sense of the term, at the top of the list precisely because they cannot pay us back. And whose heart is it that is being touched and honored by touching those who are most needy? Why, it's our Father himself. In other words, if your true desire is to be great in the kingdom of heaven, then reach out to those who are the least, those who are ignored, those who are left out. And don't seek only to get a reward here. Uh, one pastor said, you can't get your reward twice, trying to get rewarded here on earth and then wanting to get rewarded in heaven. In other words, many of the things that we do, if we're doing it in the right way, in kingdom character, there will be no earthly reward. But you have an inner satisfaction and joy and there is an actual richness of spiritual, supernatural, emotional deposit into your life knowing that you have done the right thing and one day the Father who knows all and sees all on the day of judgment will reward me. In fact, Jesus said that many who are now first on earth, lifestyles of the rich and famous, will on the day of judgment be last. And many here or dead last, people look over them, will in the kingdom of heaven actually be first. And so in verse 15, we'll close with this. Jesus says, now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to Jesus, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. This is one guy at that whole table. And I love this, and as I put into your notes here, that one person gets what Jesus is saying. I believe there was one person who was sat there, who listened, who watched, who was part of the culture and always fighting for the best seats, and he heard what Jesus said and he got it. He had a flash of light, he had a revelation. A light went off in his head and he realized that in the kingdom of heaven there's going to be equality. In other words, there won't be exalting one person above another person in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there won't be important people and unimportant people, but all people will be equally valued, honorable, and whoever you sit next to will be the greatest privilege in your life. And we will all share together in the glory and the beauty of Christ. This man got Jesus' message in a flash of light and a revelation. Blessed is he who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley with insights on humility and honor. Kingdom values today here on Maranatha Radio. Now today's study is titled Jesus Invitation. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo. Three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.